skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pro's covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair. So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash justbreakup. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash justbreakup for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who's wondering if she would enjoy sex more if she weren't in her head about it. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. This is especially important in this episode because we're going to be talking a lot about mental health and trauma, which we have a layman's understanding of, laypersons, I should say, laypersons understanding of, but Ooh, absolutely no education or training in, to be clear, <laughs> just to be 100% clear. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> we are just your friends sitting across from you at brunch, knee deep in mimosas. Um, yes. We are not trained in any of this. We are not professional. So please take our advice as you see fit as a supplement to your mental health regime from prof professionals like skincare, I guess is what I'm trying to make there. <laughs> sure. Um, we're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. Okay, I'm going to dive into today's letter. It's from Too Sexy for My Thoughts, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from New York. 
I've hesitated about a million times writing this letter over the past five years because it actually scares me so much to hear feedback about this issue. I'm feeling extra courageous today, so here it goes. Content warning for rape and abuse. Also, I love that you're feeling courage today. Me too. I am absolutely petrified about sex. That's not all. Here's some context. My first handful of sexual experiences were pretty traumatic. My first actual boyfriend was extremely controlling about porn usage, conversations I had with other guys, and how I looked. There was frequent extensive searching through each other's phones, internet history, conversations, etc. We both perpetuated it. To top it off, he was always the one caught with porn or cheating messages on his phone, yet I was always the one to blame, threatened, hit, or dumped because of it. This went on and off for about five years. I dated more men after him with all sorts of toxic sexual habits and was raped at a party once during this time, too. I went and still go to therapy about it. I tried to reclaim my sexual identity by joining the sex industry. I made porn, did in-person work. If it existed, I probably dabbled in it. I became obsessed with sex in so many ways and honestly mainly just traumatized myself further in the things I witnessed and did. In my relationships, I was always jealous, suspicious, and so, so, so afraid of to hear any of my partner's sexual desires. In my personal life, I avoided sex as a topic, even avoiding TV and movies with sex scenes out of fear. In my work life, however, I was a totally different person, and the same went for the clients I saw. I trusted no one. I'm married now, and my husband and I have pretty vanilla and wonderful sex life. I have been out of the sex industry for two years. I have made so much progress, calming my nervous system when triggered, and for the most part, embracing that my husband is his own sexual being who is free to have urges, desires, and interests that are outside of my control. Mm. I feel like in my actions, I'm extremely healthy, but geez, Sam and Sierra, something feels so hollow about it. When does the work hurt less? I find myself laying awake wondering if my husband actually liked the sex we had. I wonder if he's watching porn when he's home alone. I keep getting so nervous that I will find out something about him that triggers me. I don't let my thoughts control my every move anymore, but I'm struggling so much with the fact that I still have them and that it still affects me. What if my partner and I could get to know each other better if I was strong enough to explore more with him? Maybe I would even enjoy sex more if I wasn't so in my head about it. I just feel hopeless that this is the best I can muster. I worry I won't ever be able to live totally free of this obsession slash trauma response to sex, even if it only manifests within the bounds of my own thoughts. I don't know if I have a specific question, but just uh, help, LOL. I'd take anything you got at this point. Thank you so much. Dang, it's true. Writing it out is helpful in itself. Love to the both of you. All right, Too Sexy. Thank you so much for writing to us and for trusting us with your experience um, and with, you know, what you've been kind of grappling with um, over the course of sounds like a long time. I'm glad that writing it out was helpful. You know, I, I love when our letter writers say that just like saying it or organizing it is helpful to them. Um, 
And I think part of that is because we live so much in our heads so often that everything is just kind of a jumble up there where we can kind of panically, you know, in a panicky way, just like fly from point to point and point and it feels all interconnected and bigger than it is. And then when we kind of get some of it out, it feels like more manageable, right? Like, oh yes, of course, this makes sense that all of this is happening. Um, I want to just start by saying, I'm so sorry for the things that you've been through in your, in your past, um, the sexual trauma that you've experienced, including an abusive partner being raped and want to just name that, um, the responses that you're having to that trauma, uh, are really understandable to me. You know, I think sometimes when we look at ourselves, we're our own worst critics when it comes to how we're handling the things that have happened to us, right? We can get really down on ourselves and saying like, I should have known better. Why am I still doing this? Like all of that stuff. But I want to say from an outsider's perspective, um, I just have deep empathy for the way in which you have been and are you know, holding this, all of these traumatic experiences that you have been through, um, from throwing yourself headfirst into it, right. Which is one of the trauma responses that I think comes up for folks is like, I'm just going to run into the thing that makes me most afraid, right. Your experience is doing sex work and doing it in ways that, um, may or may not have been great for you or that I need to stay as far away from this as possible. So it never hurts me again. Right. That idea that you have of like, I'm going to avoid sex, in all ways. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to watch movies. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to live in fear of somebody talking to me about it. And like both of those reactions make a lot of sense. And I can deeply understand why they're coming up for you. And Tigra and I are just really proud of you for committing to doing the work around those responses, right? It sucks that the person who has the trauma inflicted on them is also the person responsible for understanding and managing that trauma. Like, it sucks that, that that's like the biggest unfairness I think in the entire world is that that is the truth of it. But we're really proud of you for, for doing the work on that and for committing to working on not yourself, but working on the patterns that you may have fallen into to help you be more authentically in the place where you would like to be. I know it's hard and I know that it feels like it's not going super well right now. Um, but we're so proud of you for doing it. We're going to get into some more advice slash uh, sort of empathizing with you in just a minute. But before that, we are going to take a quick break. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering 
partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, my darling, welcome back. And as Sam said, thank you so much for trusting us with your experience, with your question. Um, I'm glad. I'm so grateful you were feeling particularly courageous um, that day when you wrote us. Um, And as Sam said, like, I think that you are doing so well. Like, all of this takes courage. Existing takes courage. Looking inward takes courage. Uh, self-reflection takes courage. So you've had it all along, whether you felt deeply, um, you know, steeped in it or not. Um, So much of your letter rings true to me, although we have had different lived experiences. I think like so much of your letter speaks to how we sexualize um, women and women's bodies and also the how that happens in context of living in like a puritanical culture that shames sex and um, isolates thing, sex and whatever. I won't get too much into that, but like in addition to your trauma responses, that makes sense to Sam and I 
all of your feelings your experience, like it's, it's so familiar to me is I think what I want to say. And from the assaults to the um, uh, abuse from your partners to trying to reclaim sex, you know, um, I think as a culture, there's such a tall and complicated and wicked uh, ask of women's bodies when it comes to sexuality in our culture. Um, And I see that in so many different ways here, you know, like from trying to reclaim it to trying to... uh, to feeling ashamed that you aren't enough for your partner. You know, like that's so very human of you. It's so very womanly of you that it's like you're dealing with all of this and, and you still don't feel like you're being enough through the gaze of, of men really, you know? Um, and so that makes me angry, (laughs) you know, like this letter makes me emotional and it makes me angry, um, that you could possibly ever feel like you are, moving through this shitty, complicated world, um, in, uh, in a not enough way. Um, I want to, uh, step away from my anger because <laughs> it's not productive. Um, and talk about something I see in your letter, like Sam and I said in the intro, we are not professionals. We're not trained in any of this. Um, so I can only speak to what I see as your friend sitting across from you from the table. And as your friend, um, I actually see a lot of similarities in your trauma responses, um, to what I see a lot of people with anxious attachments do, um, particularly the, um, struggling to trust the goodness of your partner because folks with anxious attachment styles and folks with Um, similar trauma as you really struggle to believe that um, love is unconditional and um, they struggle to believe that things aren't going to become dangerous, you know, or unsafe emotionally or otherwise. And because of that, we, us with trauma or anxious attachment styles, particularly become hypervigilant. We become, Uh, We seek out the things that we are afraid of being hurt by because we can't believe that they're not there. You know, when you say in your letter that you lay awake wondering if your husband actually likes the sex that you had or that you wonder if you're going to catch him watching porn someday and that you're not going to like that. You know, the fact that you're doing all of this mental labor to prepare yourself for him disappointing you or him, his desires triggering you. And you are already like, literally, I can see you doing the math in your mind about how you're not going to be enough, how you're not going to be able to satisfy those desires or how you're going to, you know, like it, it makes so much sense. I just, I, I see all of that mental preparation and calculation and vigilance that you're doing all to result in, I am not enough. I am broken. I am, uh, you know, he's obviously not going to find me to be enough. Um, and that's, that makes me sad for you. And also it is so relatable. It is the most relatable motion that I do in my brain is like seeking out the hurt because I inherently believe in my own brokenness more than I trust my partner to be honest with me or capable of handling me and all of my meanness. Um, and 
it is it, it is truly for that reason that like you know obviously Sam and I are so pro therapy um but we know like it's a hard resources access yada yada um but I just want to explicitly say I think that this is a such a great opportunity for couples therapy if you have access to something like that because similar to an anxious attachment style like you don't have to solve all of this anticipate all of this by yourself right you're doing you're laying in bed next to your husband having these conversations in your head about how he's unhappy when he's laying there with you. Like he is your partner in this. He is capable of seeing all of your mess and your worry and your anxiety and your history. And he's also capable of seeing all your effort and your healing and your power and your power and your power. He can hold this with you. This is a really, I, I, what I learned it in my anxious attachment style, which is not the same. I'm not trying to say it's the same. I'm just making a parallel in my anxious attachment style. I had to learn that, like, not only could I learn like you to calm my nervous system when I was triggered to uh, soothe, to self soothe, really to work through what made me be so reactionary in the past. Um, I also had to learn that, I deserved to be seen and helped by the people I loved that they, that my, my mess was an okay thing to bring to them. Like that, that, that they go hand in hand, you doing all this work goes hand in hand with your partner, seeing, validating and carrying some of that labor with you. You know, my own experience with my own PTSD around, um, some of the trauma that I have been through, I think didn't follow an exact same trajectory, but here's what I'll say about my own trajectory around it. And you can take what feels right for you and what doesn't is that I spent a lot of time regulating the emotions that came up around the trauma, right? Like I, I spent a lot of time trying to like figure out how I can move through the world in a more emotionally regulated space. And that was helpful in kind of getting me from day to day. And then, you know, years after the traumatic experience happened, I was still feeling, I think in similar ways to you, I was still feeling like I'm doing so much work to regulate myself, but it, I, it feels like I'm not in my body. <laughs> like, it feels like I'm just like floating in my head, trying to like keep my emotions down and I'm triggered by everything, but I'm like dealing with it. And what happened was, is that I had to spend a lot of time with my therapist doing like trauma work, right? Doing trauma work in like talking about the things that had happened to me in an intentional way with intentional tools, because I needed to, instead of just like regulating around this terrible experience that happened to me, I had to figure out how to integrate what happened to me into my understanding of myself and the world. Right. And it wasn't, it was like sitting outside of me. And I just was like, I was wrapping it in bubble wrap was kind of what it felt like. And I was still like, ah, but this thing, I'm just like constantly carrying this thing. It's like full of bubble wrap, but it like, it's not hurting anyone anymore, but it's still like here. And I, and then after that type of work, I had to actually start talking to other people about what I had gone through and inviting them to see the horrible thing that had happened to me and allowing them to hold it with me. Because I think what is so 
awful about trauma is that it often isolates us from other people because we're afraid, like, I'm so broken. I'm so damaged. If my, if my husband finds out that I am having this much trouble with our sex life, he's going to hate me, right? Like he's going to be like, this is too much for me. I need to leave. Or he's going to get hurt by my own hurt, right? Like I'm like a weapon that just gets flung around. And sometimes I just like hurt the people around me. That's why I need to wrap myself in bubble wrap, right? Like I need to, I need to keep that thing from hurting other people. And what I have actually found is that like people are so equipped to be able to hear and empathize and understand what I'm going through without taking it on, right? Like without like trying to take it from me and hold it themselves, but instead just like offering their hands to say, oof, that must be hard. Or to say, oh no, my love, I love our sex, right? I think it's really great. I love everything that we're doing together. I'm so proud of you for it, right? Like there's so many different beautiful ways that people respond. And so like, I don't want to say like what you should be working on in this moment. Like that's what your therapist is for, right? Like your therapist and you should figure out like what needs to happen next. And I just want to share some of that experience with you because there were some intentional decisions I had to make in my own healing journey in partnership with my amazing, great therapist to do stuff that felt counterintuitive to me, that do do stuff that felt like kind of the opposite of what I had been doing, which was good, which was working for me, that thing that I was doing. And then I needed to take a step back and try something different. And so I'm wondering if part of this is like, is having a really frank conversation with your therapist about some of this stuff to say, like, I feel like I'm regulated most of the time. And also there's part of me that feels disconnected. There's part of me that feels isolated, like all of that stuff. So that maybe there are different tools that can be used to help you figure out like, what is the next step, right? Like the whole journey isn't just wrapping yourself as much in bubble wrap as you possibly can, right? Like there, that's part of it for sure. And there's other things that, that can be tried that aren't just that to help integrate some of this stuff into your own experience and your own understanding of yourself, recognizing of course, that like the way that you've been doing things is a pattern that is going to be challenging to change. And you also need to give yourself grace in that, right? Like if you've been doing one thing this whole time and then you're going to try to do something else, of course, it's going to take time. Of course, it's going to be challenging. Of course, it's going to feel not quite right. But that's part of the growth that we go through is, is trying things on that don't quite fit right until we figure out how to make them fit. I think that's beautiful. I love that bubble, bubble wrap analogy when it comes to what we see how we see ourselves as inherently damaged um, and the access that we give to other people. Um, I'm wondering, Sam, if you could speak a little bit like about what we all loved and learned from Angela Chen's book, Ace, which we and you have talked about a billion times. Um, and then I'd like to just close with a reminder about um, a little affirmation about how we got here. For sure. And I was, I was reading this letter too sexy. I was, I was thinking a lot about Angela Chen's book, um, because, you know, that book is ostensibly about asexuality, but it's also just about sexuality in general. And I think one of the most beautiful things, and I think affirming for me things that she talks about in the book is that, um, our sexualities are not something to be fixed, right? They're not a problem that needs to lead to a particular conclusion, right? I think that we have this idea that like we should be having the kinkiest, most out there 
sex in order to be like fully enlightened, fully in our bodies, fully whatever it might be. Um, and that might be really true for some people, right? Like lots of people find understandings of themselves, connection with others through types of sex that are, you know, kinky or that are whatever it might be. And what I think Angela says really well in her book is that like all different types of sex are valid, right? They are all understandable, right? Like the types of sex that we want, the types of sex that we're having consensually with other people is a good type of sex to be having. And the reasons why we might be experiencing a, a particular type of desire or a particular type of sex is, doesn't need to be justified, right? So like the idea is kind of like what happens with folks who like you might be like, well, I'm only practicing vanilla sex and like that's what feels good to me is that people will then come in and say like, oh, that's because of your sexual trauma. And if you just got over that, it would unlock a world of sex that you haven't experienced yet before. And I think that you're kind of like living proof of the fact that that is not actually true. <laughs> you know, like you have experienced a lot of different types of sex. You've thrown yourself into the deep end of, of kink and sex work and all of these different things. And you're still looking at yourself and saying like, actually vanilla is what works best for me. That's the type of sex that I want to be having. And, and what I like about that frame is that it's like, you don't have to fix it. You don't have to justify it, right? Like the type of sex that you want to have, the type of sex that you feel comfortable with is all that matters, right? It doesn't need to be it doesn't, it doesn't speak to a larger problem. And even if it is caused by sexual trauma, that doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't make it less justified than other types of sexual desire, yep. right? It doesn't make yeah. it more, less important to validate that type of sexual desire. So if you want to yeah. just have vanilla sex with your husband for the rest of your life, because that's what feels good and that's what feels comfortable and that what is what works for you. I love that. Right. And even if you continue to do this therapy journey and get into some of that stuff around the sexual assault and the abuse that you've experienced, and you're still like, I only want this type of sex. Excellent. Fantastic. If you decide that you want to try other types of sex, if there's other things that you want, like that's also great too. But the point is, is that you get to decide. The point is, is that like your desires, your comfort are the more important thing than some sort of like idea of healed sexuality where we are okay with and want to be doing particular types of sex because vanilla sex yeah. is great if that's what works for you and you don't need to justify it and you don't need to fix it. Uh, it's not something that's wrong with you. It's just something that you are most comfortable with and that you're currently in line for. Yeah. I think that is so helpful. I think that book has helped so many people in our community. Um, so I think we're just going to talk about it until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I just want to end by saying, um, by sharing to you, my friend, as your friend, like a piece of affirmation that really helped me when I look back on my life and on the choices that I made. Um, when we think about uh, things like feeling loved, feeling desired, feeling affirmed, um, it's all about safety to me. Um, it's all about feeling, wanting to feel safe emotionally, physically, you know, even wanting a purpose, um, is to feel safe in life. And I used to carry around a lot of disrespect for myself 
because of the decisions that I made in the past. I used to, I, I truly just thought I was not only broken, but that like, ah, uh, yeah, well, when I was younger, I, I like made a lot of terrible decisions or, or, you know, yeah, I just, shame is my number one feeling. It is the most well-worn path in my brain. So I just like, I just always felt ashamed of myself. Um, and I still struggle with that, but a huge, uh, thing that has been really healing for me that I learned in therapy that I want to pass to you. Um, if you can find any solace or help in, in it, um, is the idea when I looked back on my life and let's talk sexually because this is a letter about sex. You know, when I look back on my life, um, I, there were many times that I had had sex that I had sex with people that I didn't want to have sex with, whether I felt coerced or pressured, or I felt, um, uh, I don't know, confused or apathetic, or I felt like, um, you know, if I said that I'd led them on, so I had to say yes. Or if I said no, that they would be upset and then I would have to deal with their disappointment. However, that would manifest, um, you know, often from men and along with our sexual education that we get in this culture, there's, you know, we're also talking about like toxic masculinity here. Um, but that is anyway, <clears throat> staying on point. Um, you know, so I had a lot of, when I looked back on my life, um, and where the disrespect came from for myself is I felt like I put myself in all of those situations and I had a voice and I could have used it, but I didn't, or I had a choice and I made it, I could have made a different choice, but I didn't. Um, and it wasn't until this year, literally like, like I think within this calendar year that in therapy, I realized that every single time I put myself in those situations or I said yes, when I really meant no, or when I said nothing, when I wanted to say no, I was just trying to keep myself safe. There was a part of me that was acting as a protector and really thankfully, like by the grace of whatever is up there, I learned how to protect myself better and how to listen to myself and advocate for myself better and how to access my courage. But I all there was a huge cosmic shift in me and my body and my relationship to myself. When I realized that I wasn't failing myself, I was doing the best that I could to keep myself safe. And because of all the fucked up things that this world had taught me about me and my body and my sexuality, I thought at that time that the safeness came from saying yes or from not saying no. Um, I wasn't betraying myself. I was trying to protect myself. And now you and I, my love, know how to protect ourselves better. Now we know how to use that voice better. Um, so it's not about looking back on the ways in which we hurt ourselves. It's the ways in which we were learning and, and, and trying to keep that um, little girl in us safe. Um, but she's safe now. Oh my God. She's, she's, she's blossoming now. I can't believe the courage that you have just to write us just to, um, just to say this doesn't feel right. And I want it to feel differently. That is astounding to me. And I, I'm honored to be in your community, in your company, um, and I can't wait to see what you do next. I really mean that quite sincerely. Um, so 
we love you very much and we hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. It is Friday, y'all. So that brings us to the blind date segment of our show. At the end of every week, we like to set you up with something that we love that we want to send you home with. And this week, our blind date is... A show on Netflix called The Empress, um, which is about um, the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. uh, And it's about the um, Empress Elizabeth, who was like the empress in the 1850s and 60s and beyond. Um, She has a very famous museum slash house in Vienna that many people have been to. Uh, It's a, it's a period piece. It's in German. So it's either dubbed or you uh, have to read the subtitles or if you speak German, you can watch it in German. Um, But it's just like a lot of like beautiful costumes and beautiful sets and people um, behaving badly, but in like a way that doesn't matter while also like political (laughs) things are happening like it's just it's just quintessential like um period piece it's beautiful um if you're really interested in like a like in a brooding hot emperor and like a very like countercultural empress and a you know emperor's brother who's like kind of evil but sexy at the same time like this is the show for you uh I, I loved it. Um, I love period pieces, uh, and this one was a good one. So check it out. It is uh, called The Empress. It's available on Netflix. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like more content from us or if you would like to get access to our office hours, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to those office hours, those Zoom conversations where Sierra and I hop on with you all and answer questions and shoot the shit. That is patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his podcast and his music. And remember, what has happened to you in your past is not your fault. It does not make you broken. It does not make you undeserving. We are all doing the best that we can at that time with the knowledge and understanding that we had. We're all trying to protect ourselves to seek safety and comfort. And the best part of life is that we can try again. We can learn more. We can come into a new understanding of how to better advocate for ourselves. You can give yourself the space to truly feel all of your feelings and release responsibility or blame. And if all else fails, just break up. (laughs) 